Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension, where we talk with people about exploring, making discoveries, and solving problems to better manage our natural resources, and we share ideas to help you learn more and get involved. This is an older episode from when we used a different title, The Naturalist, but the conversation and ideas are still fresh. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll subscribe and listen to more episodes of Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC. Hi everyone, welcome to the Naturalist Podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, your host today, and we're going to be talking with Gretchen Hansen from the University of Minnesota's Department of Fisheries, Wildlife, and Conservation Biology about her work to understand and model aquatic communities and ecosystems. Stay tuned until the end of the episode when we'll also share some ideas about where you can learn more and get involved. Hi, Gretchen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's dig in. This is a podcast about new discoveries and solving problems to better manage our natural resources. Broadly speaking, I know you lead a University of Minnesota lab researching aquatic communities and ecosystems, but what are you working to discover? What problems are you trying to solve? So a lot of the work in my lab is trying to understand how lakes are changing in response to things like climate change, species invasions, land use change, things like that. And a big focus of the research is to understand why certain lakes or fish populations might respond differently to those things than others. So some places are more sensitive, other places are more resilient. So to try to understand that difference so that we can better manage these systems to support the fish and ecosystem services that we value in these lakes, even as the environment changes. So give our listeners a little peek behind the scenes. How do you go about your work or what are one or two cool tools, methods, or strategies you use in your research? Yeah, so the research going on in my lab spans a range of approaches. I do a lot of modeling, which means um, work in front of the computer. Uh, So doing statistical analyses and other kinds of mathematical models to try to understand how lakes are changing. One of the approaches that I use a lot is trying to understand how water temperature changes in lakes as air temperature changes due to climate change. So we know that lake temperatures don't kind of move in lockstep with air temperatures. Some lakes warm faster than others. Some remain cool even as the air warms. So we do a lot of uh, computer modeling to try to get at that and then apply that knowledge to our understanding of what's happening with fish populations. Another approach that we use in my lab to understand the effects of invasive species like zebra mussels on fish that we care about, in particular walleye, We use um, stable isotope analysis to understand um, where walleye and other fish in the lake get their food or their energy from. So this means going out into the field, um, going to study lakes and collecting data, um, collecting fish samples, bug samples, zooplankton samples, mussel samples, and 
processing those in the lab using a chemical analysis to understand who's eating who and how much um, and try to get at how zebra mussels and other invasive species are changing those relationships. I think using mathematical models and statistical studies lets us do work on broader scales than we could otherwise. So um, if I want to understand how climate change is affecting lakes, I could go out and sample lakes myself and, you know, do something like we're doing in our stable isotope analysis. But I'm really limited in how many lakes I can observe. With a modeling approach, we can look at you know, tens of thousands of lakes together to try to understand common patterns and differences among how these lakes are responding um, and really just kind of up the scale of the work that, that I can do. And I think both are valuable. So I do work on this landscape scale to understand thousands of lakes at a time, but we also need that kind of site-specific on-site work to know more about the mechanism and why things might be operating differently. Tell me a little bit about what makes your work really fun. What are one or two things that you just absolutely love about your research? I love identifying questions and problems and uncertainties. And I love the fact that my job is to try to figure them out. I've just always been a curious and kind of probing person by nature. And so to be able to come up with questions, you know, why does this lake act this way? Why, why are fish in this lake doing better than another lake? Why does climate change affect one lake more than another? To come up with those questions and then try to figure out how to answer them and then go out there and do it is really satisfying, um, really fun. On the flip side, you know, you never get a full answer to this kind of question. There's always more questions, um, so there's always more to do, uh, but that keeps it really interesting. Science and natural resource management don't always go quite as planned. So how has changes in plan or even failures been a part of your work to study aquatic ecosystems and what lessons can we learn from that? One of the most interesting and sometimes satisfying part of the kind of research I do is that we might have a hypothesis or an idea about how something's going to work. And then when we actually do the work, we find the opposite result. You know, we were totally wrong about how we thought this thing was going to work. A lot of times in science, especially science on complex systems like lakes, that kind of result can be even more interesting than if you had it right when you started. When we get kind of the opposite results of what we think was going to happen, that I don't see that as a failure. I see that as a, you know, great new insight into how systems work and can lead us into fully new research directions. So what is your favorite, most surprising result or insight from your work at this point? I do a lot of work on how climate change affects fish um, with a particular focus on walleye. Uh, I used to work for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources where I did a lot of that. Um, I started a lot of that research. And in Wisconsin, through a number of different kinds of studies, we found that lakes that were warmer were less suitable for walleye in terms of their ability to naturally reproduce. So the inference there is that climate change is bad for, for walleye in those lakes. When we do a similar analysis on lakes in Minnesota, particularly the large walleye lakes in Minnesota, we find the exact opposite result. The warmer the summer is, the better it is for walleye reproduction in those lakes. And so it's been, it's been surprising and interesting to find those completely contrasting results and then to try to dig in and figure out why. Like, are we at a different starting point? You know, seems like actually big lakes, the temperature effect is different than it is in small lakes. 
And so that points to some complex food web connections that we need to figure out that it's not temperature directly that's affecting walleye, but through some other pathway. So it's been surprising and an interesting personal journey to write papers and put out results that on the one hand say warming water is worse for walleye in this set of lakes and then have another paper that says, you know, warmer summers are better for walleye in these lakes and try to reconcile those two things and figure out why that is. Tell me about some of the new questions that you're exploring now as a result of some of this work you're doing. Well, one of the things we're learning about walleye in Minnesota Lakes is that temperature so far doesn't appear to be a really big stressor of walleye in most of Minnesota's walleye lakes. Um, and so understanding why that is, what, how are walleye behaving, what are they eating, where do they move to when the water does get warm in lakes. Uh, in Minnesota, how that might be different in certain kinds of lakes. And also understanding the role of things like water clarity. We do see places where uh, walleye are declining in Minnesota, and it seems to be connected in a lot of cases to increasing water clarity, oftentimes driven by the invasion of zebra mussels. And so there's research going on in my lab where we're really pursuing that avenue of how do temperature and water clarity kind of interact to influence walleye and the whole fish community? And what do they do when conditions change in a way that is not favorable for them? Um, do they just turn over and die instantly? Probably not. Do they start looking for other food, change their behavior, become more vulnerable to predators, have a hard time finding their prey at the right time, kind of digging into some of those more mechanistic questions? So our listeners love to learn more about and help with environmental stewardship. What is one thing you suggest they can do to learn about or help with your efforts? So they can learn about my research by checking out my website, or I'm always posting things on Twitter relative to the research that goes on in my lab. For a lot of our studies, we develop websites to describe the project and also once a project is complete, when we have the resources to do it, create a data visualization tool that can kind of help communicate the result in a visually appealing and kind of non-science speak manner. So we've got a couple of those that might be of interest to people. I think understanding that lakes are different across the landscape and not every lake is going to respond the same way to management or to some kind of stressor. And not every lake is going to be able to support every species that people might be interested in. So just kind of understanding that variation across the landscape. And another thing that we're working on in my lab that I haven't really talked about yet is knowing that while there are many things we can do as citizens to um, try to promote climate smart actions in our personal life and you know on a broader societal scale, we are probably not going to be able to stop climate change on the scale of it's not going to get warmer in Minnesota anymore. But what we can do and what we have found through some of the research that has happened at Minnesota DNR and that my lab is taking on some of now is that even as lakes are warming, we can try to protect lake habitat by protecting the watershed. So it might still get warm, but if we can kind of reduce nutrient loading and protect those watersheds, we can conserve habitat for cold water and cool water fish that need it. So implementing best practices on their land to reduce runoff and supporting policies that protect watersheds um, is also a great way to conserve freshwater fish that we might care about in these lakes, even as the climate changes. So this is my last question. Based on your active Twitter feed, I know you're familiar with social media. What is a hashtag or a message that you wish would really take off? Like millions of people are sharing it. A thing that's really important to me right now that I think applies to my work, but also applies to 
many of the challenges and crises that we're facing right now is the idea that systems are complicated and science can be complicated and kind of a one-size-fits-all or a soundbite approach to understanding complicated scientific issues is usually not going to work. And so in order to have an informed opinion on climate change or COVID-19 or anything else, I think we need to be really careful about the information we're consuming and our own biases and how things are being presented and just, you know, hold ourselves to a high standard when it comes to the information that we're taking in and putting out there to the world when it comes to these complex issues that are not going to have easy solutions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Naturalist. Huge thanks to Gretchen for joining us on the podcast. Visit GretchenHanson.Squarespace.com or follow her on Twitter to learn more about her lab and research efforts, including a link to an interactive tool that she developed that predicts how recent trends and anticipated future changes in climate will affect fish habitat in Wisconsin lakes. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk, while gardening, or while sitting at your desk. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. We look forward to sharing another episode soon. In the meantime, stay safe, be healthy, and we hope you enjoy Nature in Place. Nature in Place.